It's the Renegades Rant Podcast with your host, the Kentucky Renegade. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you want to start your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or to your phone's app stores and download Anchor today. Well, welcome everyone to the show. We have a great show today. We have from the great state revolution in the underground nursing podcast big dave welcome to the show thanks man thanks for having me no problem so how are you today well here in the wonderful state of arkansas we've had cloudy skies and fog and cool temperatures and everybody's sinuses are tore up yep same here in kentucky i'm kind of going through it a little bit today myself yeah me too uh, I was kind of worried, but it all straightened out. At least we're getting above fifty degrees right now. So, yeah, we're uh, we're right at fifty-eight degrees today. But same thing. Morning started off nice and cloudy, and then it rainy and everything else. So, definitely not December weather. Definitely not. Almost like an Indian spring instead of Indian summer. <laughs> exactly. Well, we got a lot of stuff going on in the world today. Uh, today's the Georgia runoff, so let's start there and see what you think about the deal between Warnock and uh, Herschel Walker. Well, so everything has got design in politics. I mean, they run these games every six months or so, so the politicians, are they know their game, and that's all it has turned into. Um, I think they're hiding a lot of the information. Um, they tried to use the scandals that they tried to make big scandals that people just don't really care about anymore. They've lost touch with what the people actually are worried about, I think. And I think that'll show up in the election process tonight. Now, if there's any, I don't know how to put it, foul play or stuff that doesn't fit, or I think they'll take a more of a, double look at it um i think they're still having trouble in arizona too and i think it's going to bleed over into this and i think they're going to try to use that as a talking point yeah i've seen where they actually just certified the election in uh arizona but i know carrie lake has got a lawsuit coming against the state and against uh katie hobbs as well so we'll see how that plays out with that Right. But I think with the with the whole Georgia thing, they said there's already been two million people who have already voted in this. And then they came out today and said that they can still receive uh, that. I believe the absentee ballots up until three days after after today. So if that doesn't tell you that something's wrong with this election, then. Nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that that'll give the yeah, that'll tell the tale. And that'll be where it, if the tide changes. That way, oh, yeah, there is going to be another mess that nobody's ever going to get to the bottom to. Yeah, I can I can definitely see where Walker probably had the lead the majority of the night. And then over the next couple of days, we'll see it diminish and go away. And then Warnock could be declared the winner. And then we're going to have that issue issue to fight with. And, you know, our elections are not fair. There is no integrity. Uh, these two party systems, they just work together and it's just one big drama show. 
Right. Uh, and there's one thing I have noticed across the country. There, There's more people realizing, <clears throat> excuse me, there's more people realizing that they're kind of in it together. And everybody talks about the, the 2,000 mules. So it showed that the Democrats cheated. That's not what it showed me. It showed me that if there was one problem, there was both sides were doing it. Because if one side can do it, the other side can too. Absolutely. And it's just the way the elections have been over, I don't know, the past 22 years. I mean, you go back to the whole Al Gore and George Bush ordeal with the hanging chads and all this. I mean, it just all plays into all that that has gone on over years and they're in cahoots with one another and there really is no integrity in our government officials anymore. They don't work for the people. You know, they're, they don't look out for their constituents. They just more likely to look out for their corporations and their lobbyists that they're pocketed to. Yeah. And it's designed that way. They've set it up and designed it that way. And that's the scary part because what are they, what are we losing on the on the front end and then what are we not getting on the back end now that sounds like the same question but it's really not so if we lose uh say they pass a law on the front end of it there's all these benefits they talk about on the back end of it we find out well we've lost our rights to do this uh we've lost our rights to have a, a x amount of clips in our house for our uh guns uh or, oh, everybody wants some medical marijuana law, but you've got to give something up to get your card. So they they hide certain things in it, just like with oh, the Health Care Act. They hid stuff in that thing. Nobody read it. Didn't nobody really know what was in it until they passed it. I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what they're doing. The problem is they're all scared. Everybody now is figuring it out. Yep, exactly. And that's the thing about these big bills that they push through. They don't read them. There's stuff hitting, hidden in there that goes against what we, the people, the constituents in this country want. And they just hide it in there. And, you know, it's a 20,000 page document, just like the Affordable Health Care Act. And there's tons of things in there that they didn't read or figure out until years later. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that was in there. <laughs> right. Right. And now what's happening in the healthcare industry, because I, I've, I've been in healthcare for 30 years. Um, now what's happening is everything that they passed is now coming back to affect. Um, it affects everybody because there's not enough healthcare workers to get the job done. And it's all regionalized right now, but it's not going to be long. It's not going to be long until it really hits. Yeah. And I was in the healthcare industry for 21 years and then, you know, COVID came and I got out just at the time that they were starting to talk about federally mandating the jab for everybody in healthcare. And I knew where it was going to go and I wasn't going to take part in it. And I let my administration know how I felt about that. And I walked off the job. Yeah. Um, I, it's so bad. Look, I, I lost a job. I got fired because I wouldn't take 
they said, you have to take this particular one. I said, no, if I'm going to take one, I'm going to take the one I trust, the one I've done all the research on all of them. And of course they fired me. But before, I mean, I may have picked up my phone when I was going out the door, walking across the parking lot, called another facility and said, I need a job. Can you get here today? Mm-hmm. I mean, and they, I said, well, I'm not taking the, the jib, the jab for anybody. She said, we're no, well, don't worry about it. We'll find a way around it. If the difference was that person actually cared about the care her patients were getting where the other facilities were worried about getting the money from the government. Right. And that's the thing with healthcare. You either have these people who are independent people who own these uh, healthcare facilities or you have the ones that are the major corporated ones that are tied into the government and they will push that agenda down your throat. Right. Now, you work in, uh, or what was it that you, that you work I, in? I do long-term care in Arkansas. I travel doing uh, long-term nursing home care because um, they're actually, at this point in time in our history, the sickest people uh, in the system. Now, there's a lot, don't get me wrong, there's a lot in the, of what we call the acute or hospital care. Um, they're acute. But all those people have devastating stuff that happens. They have to go to rehab centers. And I get to deal with the aftermath. And um, and they act like we don't talk to the hospital nurses and long-term care. Oh, you work in a nursing home. It's horrible in nursing homes. No, there are good nursing homes out there. I'm fortunate enough to be working for a company that has good nursing homes, um, rehabilitation centers, uh, whatever you want to call them, long-term care centers. Um, and But watching them have to recover from the damage that this stuff's causing uh it really made me say well uh, made me realize that they don't care about anybody they're using this health care rules they're keeping it at emergency in the healthcare sector only so they have control over something right. now i don't know how much truth them you might find in that i don't know if they're going to holler misinformation about that but i can tell you from a first-hand experience this thing's dangerous not the virus at all. Yeah. But then the, the fact that they got rid of the only injection that was a viral vector tells you all you need to know. Right. Yeah. And the, it's just unfortunate that the healthcare industry has taken a blow the way it has. I mean, it was be a sinking ship before, after COVID hit, it's really as far as you know the the prices the uh amount the kind of care you get now um the way hospitals treat their their patients and their staff is just unreal to me and uh actually i'm kind of glad i got out of it when i did oh there's a lot that's the problem we're having now is that um on my nursing underground podcast i delve a lot into how the staffing works in the hospitals and how the staffing works in the long-term care sector and how the staffing works for the home health sector. Um, we, we started this pandemic. We had approximately 4 million nurses across the country. And that's all licensed of nurses. I'm not talking about just RNs or just LPNs. I mean, all licensed of nursing. Um, we had about four million. Now we're running right under three. Uh, last uh, number I saw was like 2.8. 
that's for 337 million people. Right. That, that's less than 1% of people taking care of a population that size. If you don't have enough nurses, you can't open beds if there's not enough people to put in the care sector part of it to put somebody in a bed for it. So if you what was the nurses, they close whole, whole units that are closed. Now, see, in before hospitals. I, before I left, I worked in uh, psych and in uh, addiction services. So our acuity in our facilities for patient and uh, staff ratio was ridiculous then. I can imagine what it is right now, but I know for a 24-bed unit, it was for our night shift was one nurse and two techs. And you're talking about just on in the addiction side of it, could be bad some nights, but you talk about being in the psych part of it. Right. Uh, one one nurse and two techs to take on people who are bipolar, people who are schizophrenic, you know, got all these uh, antisocial disorders and all this other stuff. I mean, yeah, we were taking on state hospital level patients. So it was it was a fight every single night. You were constantly locking somebody down, putting them in holds and doing that stuff. And it was it just got overwhelming. Um, yeah, when you're talking about having um, that type of acuity, especially like you're talking about the addiction side, there's so much that can go wrong when somebody is detoxing. And you're talking yeah. about one nurse. What if you got three people detoxing and two of them go into seizures? That's deadly in that, that, that circumstance. That's not safe for the nurse or the patient. But they're not no. worried about it. They're worried about their bottom lines. Healthcare should not be a for-profit industry. It should not. It should be a non-profit industry all the way across. We should be able to provide care for everybody in this country instead of sending $400 million to a, a police action, which that's basically what it is. Um, I, I, I got some information last night on the uh, social media app. I was fortunate enough to have somebody from Russia and Belarus come into my show last night. And my eyes were completely open to a whole different part of the game. Um, not that I didn't already not trust the mainstream um, reporting. It's really flat out. Just They're just lying. They are just absolutely lying. And the reason podcasts have taken off and the reason all of the social media apps have taken off the way they have wasn't because of the lockdowns. It's because people are actually hunting truth. They're hunting the real stories. They're not worried about the propaganda anymore. And yeah. I, I was just sitting there, and she was just explaining everything. And I, she said, oh, here, I'm fixing to go to work. And she walked us through the streets of Moscow. I saw one police car. One. Hmm. One. She was in Moscow, the biggest city in Russia. And she said, oh, look, here's our shopping areas and their fruits and vegetables everywhere. Um, they're not. And if you watch the mainstream media, it's like they're in such dire condition and they have this. It's, it's BS. It's true BS. And yeah. I, was, I was just flabbergasted last night. I mean, it really, really woke my eyes up to a whole different ball game last night. Um, yeah, and I, th 
I think it's funny that you bring up the word propaganda because I was watching a video today and I had brought this up, I don't know, six seven months ago about Obama back when he signed the National Defense Authorization Act in 2012. There's a lot of things in there that we're starting to see come out and come to fruition now. And in that 2012 uh, NDAA, he uh, did the smith Munt. Uh, Modernization, Modernization Act mm-hmm. to legalize propaganda to be put and deployed on the people in this country. So media, social media, they can push their own version of propaganda and not be, you know, in trouble for it. But yet, yeah, you can go on these social media apps and someone like me <laughs> be talking about what we think is the actual turn around and say, oh, well, that's misinformation, that's propaganda, that's lies, but yet these media corporations, they're all pushing it. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've got control of the media, you've got control of the people. Because people tend they've turned their back on the trust is what they've done. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just the people's trust in the fact that our news is supposed to be just news. They don't. We don't have news anymore. We have a headline with the editorial opinion given behind it. It's not news anymore. And everybody talked about Walter Cronkite when we were growing up. Read, and you had to go look it up and find your information and go to the library and get the microfilms and find the newspaper articles and look for yourself. Especially if it was a national deal. Um, that's when it changed. It started changing shortly after that. And then you had people like, and I hate to say it, but conservative talk radio took off in the late 80s. And that's what started this editorial news opinion and not the news. It, could, it changed the face of it. And it was a whole lot easier to take over the propaganda machine than it was to take over a news machine. That's why the Section 230 rule of the social media apps, they don't want to lose it because if they lose it, then they become editors and they make themselves more responsible. And then you start having the divide between the civil codes and the constitutional law. And basic simple fact is the Supreme Court ruled that the supreme law of the land is the Constitution. And once you start that, they're going to always lose in court. Yeah. And, you know, it's just unreal what the way we're living in these days uh, social media has come down on so many people we're seeing so many people on tiktok instagram uh coming down uh lisa twitter with elon which i don't trust elon but i do like what he's doing as far as opening up the information and letting everybody know that you know the democratic party was behind you know censoring the people we're starting to see more information come out about uh, the Hunter Biden laptop. We're starting to find out information that was being withheld within Twitter, YouTube, those those uh, social media groups. Yeah, I don't, I don't. So I had a Twitter account that got perma banned, um, which I didn't even think twice about. It. I just laughed. I said, "Well, I must have told the truth somewhere." Um, when it turns into that, the public perception changes and it becomes more 
okay, if I say this and I get banned, then I'm telling the truth. So I'm just going to back up and do it again. Um, I mean, you're both on TikTok. There's no no end about that. We both are. That's how we met. Um, because we met because we weren't in the same algorithm. We met because every month or two, we were getting permabanned. And you, you create, they've created a group of people specifically on talk that just tell it like it is. And we don't look at it as permabanned. It's fighting the system. Well, they got the right generation for it. That's why you see so many Gen Xers and Zillennials on there. That's just, yeah, tell me, I'll do it again. I'll come right back at you. Do it again. I'll come right back at you. But it's creating where people are saying they just won't give up. They're just not giving up. So if we're getting a message out there, just not in the fashion we want to get the message out there. We just want to say our piece, get the message out there, and sit back and see what happens. Absolutely. You know, and there's so many of us that, have been banned so many different times and we're just going to keep coming back. Uh, me, especially I'm just one of these, I'm a very resilient person. And, uh, the more me down, the more I'm going to keep coming back, the louder I want to get in. And, uh, I'm just not going to stop. And, you know, I take after and I'm mentored under freedom stick and packing Patriot and three rows. Those are my guys. Those are guys I look up to, about getting the message out and the focal point is the message period you know getting the truth out there and letting people know what it is because like you're right people want to know people are going to try and find out the real story of what's going on and people are going to search high and low whether it's through podcasts through social media groups through alternative news sites people are going to be looking for that information we're just doing everything we can just to get that word so once it hits one person, it a uh, spider web and go out throughout to all these other people and people will start catching on. Um, you, you especially, uh, I, I pick at you a lot about this, uh, but I also pick at TikTok about it. I mean, TikTok censors, we all know that. Yeah. They don't, they, they're not good enough to censor somebody to accounts in 24 hours. So, you know, you talk about your, our mentors there, Sticks and uh, Freedom, uh, Patriot, Three Rows, um, th- that whole bunch that come over from Insta. Um, I've followed them over there. I just wasn't real big on Insta. I just was there um, listening to all of them. And I still go over to Insta to listen to them. Um, but, yeah, now they come back. Now it's become a joke where we sit and try to promote their page and we we promote their page and say back for a limited time, like they're a fast food burger or something. And it that's become the now it's becoming a running joke, and it's taken hold. They they're scared of the followings that if the message gets out to everybody, they're gonna who are they who are they gonna hold to? Their corporation's supposed to answer to their board of directors, not answer to a political party, and that's what they've done. Right. And and they're trying to silence everybody. Well, people have, are getting wise on how to do it. Everybody has, I, I can guarantee you in the next month or so, you're going to see the Rose, Roger's thesaurus being in the top 20 of, of new books sold. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> because everybody's hunting alternative words to use because we all know what the keywords are becoming. Right. I mean, we're adapting to their algorithm as fast as they can create it. Yeah, and the thing with me is I'm just trying to be slick and not put my face on there too many times. Well, that's exactly what Freedom Stick and and Packing Patriot and Three Rows. I know they, you know, it's prominent their voices, but but they're also on the AI. It catches it. So I think maybe if I can be a little bit slick and not put myself out there too much, and maybe just do some voiceover on some of my videos i can i can get away with it for a little bit but i have a feeling that they'll be taking me down before too long but we'll see well you know just hunt me up um i'm going to take a break for a little while i, I announced that yesterday on on the talk and if anybody wants to follow me on talk i'm on like the gray state collective and mr anonymous mr anonymous one i'm just taking a break um it's 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 become a lot but it's that time of year um i've been a widow less than a year or just right over a year and i'm going to try to spend time i got a grandbaby and two kids that are they're basically adults um and i'm going to try to do the best i can um spending this holiday with them because last was just kind of a blur um we didn't really do a whole lot last year at all. Just kind of sat around and moped. Um, but, you know, trying to get life goes on. And that was how I ended up on TikTok was trying to just fill in my new time I had found. I didn't know I was going to get a voice. I did not know that people were looking for that. And I'm glad people follow me. I, I really am. But I try not to keep my following too big because then I become, you know, a target like y'all. And I basically have, but I, I'm not, I don't get hit near as hard as y'all. I'm not on my 40th account, so I can say that I'm still under 20. Um, but I mean, when it becomes a joke, like we're talking here, but everybody depends on what you say, you feel a responsibility to keep getting your message out there. And that's what they don't understand. The, the, the purpose of the American spirit is truly being put pushed right now. And people are starting to wake up to that instead of the propaganda. Yeah. And that's the goal is to wake everyone up, expose the governments, the media corporations, expose them all and basically burn the system down because we, it's time. Right. The founders knew. They knew exactly what was going to happen. That's why they wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution the way they did. They knew that eventually some part of government was going to get involved with financial institutions. They were going to get involved with these corporations and things were going to happen. And the constituents would be the ones that would be hurt first. Correct. To use those two documents... You can use it to overthrow that government, whether that be voting or using your other means and your constitution, your two rights. Yeah. Well, there's one thing I did learn last night, and it becomes a bigger responsibility. And I always kind of thought this, but I never really, until you get confirmation on something, I thought it's just that. It's a thought. It's an opinion. But when somebody from another country that you're supposed to hate 
they tell us we're supposed to hate tells you we're really the whole world is waiting on y'all's response and y'all just not doing anything that was probably the most profound statement i had ever heard that that made what we're doing a bigger responsibility yeah if all of these countries are going, they're all got the same. It's funny how everything now is happening because of these platforms. We know what's happening in other countries. I never in a million years thought I would be just having fun with my little group on a live TikTok. And then all of a sudden, I've got people from foreign countries popping in that had a language barrier but got their message across. Right. And... I, I'm. I was just. I was so mad. Yeah. I was so mad last night. And actually, at my job where I work, we have a lot of uh, foreigners that work there, and a lot of people from Haiti, a lot of people from Venezuela. Uh, you name it, they're there. But they know who I am. They understand I'm a very political person, and we have a little bit of a language barrier, but we're able to communicate. But one day I was talking about uh, the things that were going on in Venezuela and there's Venezuelan there. And he said that he, the reason why he came to the U S was because of what was happening in Venezuela. But he said the awful funny part is he thought he was leaving Venezuela behind, but he said now he's landing in the new Venezuela at the start of their whole ordeal that they had. So, right at the shores of the u.s and it's going to revert back to the way venezuela ended before he got out you know so all right and and that puts it, no pressure there right there's no pressure when you start talking to the and and everybody gives these guys a bad rap um i i travel nurse so i'm in the hotels all the time um and i met some guys from canada this year and they were like Man, y'all are the ones, and I, and it, it didn't set with me then as much as it did last night. And I guess it's because we're not in a conflict with Canada, per se, but it's funny that they have the same values, not the ones in the cities. These these guys lived in Saskatchewan in the country areas, and, and it's the values were identically the same as ours. But then when you turn around and you talk to the uh, uh, people that come from the southern border, and you find out, well... They don't really believe all this liberal crap either. They're just told once you come here, you have to vote the blue side. And in order to stay, you need to vote the blue side. So they're forcing them to vote against. They're giving them access to vote when they shouldn't. And we're just sitting back letting it happen. The problem is we became complacent in what they were doing. We didn't hold the people accountable, and we haven't held our elected leaders' feet to the fire like they need to be doing. That, I think, is what the biggest change is coming. And then, if it doesn't work, because it's like, well, just next cycle, next election cycle. Well, we're already in it. Yeah. The lines in the sand have been drawn, and people have picked their side. And now, the battles are starting. These little bitty, these little bitty, uh, let me rephrase that. These little bitty battles, this battle over free speech and social media, it's just a line in the sand. Mm -hmm. The war is started. I think as much as she said it last night that the whole world's waiting on our response, like, okay, I get it. Um, 
I was woken up a little bit more earlier in the spring when the farmers were dumping all the cow poop in the parliament buildings uh, uh, overseas. And I heard my podcast being played. And I only did on that Revolution podcast. It was I modernized Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. And they were playing it on a loudspeaker over there. And I thought, I cannot fathom the effect that we're, we really have. And that's what I was more caught up with. I'm so excited they played my podcast without realizing the significance of that. Right. And, you know, and that was another thing, kind of what you were bringing into was uh, like Putin, whenever he came out and he told the American people, don't give up your guns. Because this is exactly what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to try and pull something off, and they're going to try and take people and round them up like they're doing in China right now. Put your train car and send your ass off. You know, and here we have the ability where a lot of countries do not have the opportunity to to own a, a rifle, own a handgun. The powers in our <laughs> You know, and the government knows that. That's why they're trying to ban all these guns over every little thing. They're trying to take them away. It's up to us. There's only one person that can save us, and that's us, period. Right. And that's the person you wake up and stare in the mirror every morning. Uh, Trump's going to save you. Uh, DeSantis isn't going to save you. It's the American people. We can save ourselves. We can get ourselves out of this and we can utilize what our founding fathers intended for us to do. If this came to that part of our life is if, you know, as I tell everybody after the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness, read the next paragraph. It'll tell you pretty clear what you need to do. And if the government's not going to be the way it's supposed to be, then abolish it and set a new principle upon these principles and start anew. All right. And we're complacent. And until all the complacency <laughs> has been pushed to the limit and we start that second paragraph, it's just going to stay just like it is. Right. And, and, and it's like we can talk about it uh, and, and we're not limited here. Um, that's why people are hunting all of these podcasts. My listeners are basically medical online nursing podcasts. That's where I've got the most traction, and I pretty much stick to that. I'll do my political editorial on the revolution part. When something major happens, I'll go and do an episode and explain everything the best I can. Um, And I've got people that do it. But the funny thing is that podcast is being picked up now in Australia. They're like listening to the Gray State Revolution in Australia, and I'm like, huh. Not the same constitutional principles, but the same human principles. Right. And once you realize the laws are just laws, they don't rule man. They maintain man. When the government switch them to rule over you, our government has shipped away at our constitutional rights for might near 100 years. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to continue to do so until we actually do something about it. And like you said, we're complacent. There are two people are too many people are comfortable in their life. They don't want to explore that side of it because yeah, it's a scary place, but 
if you think about the beginning of time, all the explorers that explored all over the world that got on those ships and came and went to different lands, don't you think that they were scared of that shit too? Well, we need to start looking at shipping our ship in a different direction and start going in the way of getting back what we used to have. Right. And it's not just about the American people. It's about the entire world because this is a whole world issue right now with everything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I never, I'd always for for years thought, you know, the what we see a lot of on talk is the flat earth and the, hem, the here spherical earth and, you know, watch it. And I've really had to reconsider what I was taught in school. Um, and it's not because I believe one over the other. I've got to have, I'm a why person. You're going to have to explain to me more than just thirst flat. Look at the maps on these insignias on these companies, big corporate global conglomerates. Okay, that's fine. If you want to take that and use it and that satisfies your quail to get it done, that's fine. I understand that. I'm a why person, you know, and I got to have more information. It's not that I don't consider it now. I used to wouldn't. Now I have to really consider both sides of the argument because how much of it's propaganda and how much of it did they hide and how much of it, because the winners write the history and the winners write the history just for you, just to control what you think and what you do. They've hidden, taken civics out of school. They've taken world history out of schools now in high school. They might have a course here and there just so their people can graduate. Um, but they've taken a true education. We, we don't study the Roman Empire like we did when I was in school. My kids never studied the Roman Empire that much. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on, um, I can remember when I was in high school, I had to learn uh, the Ides of March speech. And we had to learn the preamble to the Constitution. And we had to learn the preamble to the uh, Bill of Rights. And we had to, all of these things we had to learn. We had to read the Communist Manifesto. And then we had to learn what the Communist Manifesto meant. Now they don't teach any of that. And they quit teaching cursive. Yeah. That tells you they have dumbed down to make people complacent. And now when I say complacent, we become complacent because our generation was latchkey kids. Our yeah. mind was specifically. We depended on ourselves. And we didn't care what anybody else thought. Um, now the responsibility is great on our generation because we feel responsible at this point. Uh, just a couple of years ago, I was asked, well, Generation X just really don't get involved in anything. We don't because it's not, it, it shouldn't matter to you what I'm doing, and it don't matter to me what you're doing. Now, now we're getting involved, and now we're waking up slowly. Our complacency is slowly being chipped away at by each other because that's how they wanted us to be. Yeah, And, and it's sad when you think about that. It's sad that um, even my kids, I, I would teach, they would learn something at school. I said, no, that is not true. You know, that's just not right. Uh, I mean, I got to the point where my kids would go into class and they would start teaching about um, Darwin's theory. And it's, it's a theory. It has to be looked at. You have to, to get both sides of the argument to be able to draw your own conclusion. You have to. So I marched down to the school and I said, I hope that you're going to teach what happened, what Darwin did in the end of his life, too. You can't teach one part without teaching all of it. And, you know, they 
they would freak out when they found out what Darwin had this theory of evolution. And then in the end, he said, it's not true. It just doesn't work. It's, it's not feasible. Right. Yeah, I remember uh, my youngest son, he's 18 now, but I remember he was in the eighth grade and getting that phone call to come to school because he was being argumentative with the teacher. And I was like, well, what was the subject over? And they said it was over the Constitution. Well, I knew this was going to be a good place for me because my kids <laughs> all about the Constitution because I taught them about the Constitution, not what they're reforming the Constitution. These, <laughs> these textbooks that they, what little bit they do teach. But I went in there and, you know, I was like, so what was the the argument over? And basically it was over the Second Amendment. And the teacher was trying to tell them that uh, ordinary people did not have the ability to bear and own firearms. I was like, where in the fucking Constitution did you see that? He said, well, it's for organized militia. I said, we are the organized militia. We're the most unaccounted for military in the world. Every person in this country has the ability to own a firearm. I was like, even if you don't like it, if you're a felon, you should be allowed to own a firearm. That's your human right. And me and the teacher got into this whole big, huge argument. I mean, finally, she walked away. But, you know, I was just proud that my kids stood up before class wrong. <laughs> yeah, and my kids did the same thing. Um, I, I, my hobby was Civil War history. Um, and they my kids every year every year they would get to my kids would get to the point they would teachers would get up by the time they got to the sixth and seventh and eighth grade by the time they were both in high school and they started it that my kid came home one day and said uh daddy um the teacher said they got to teach it this way and they didn't want to see you come back to the school So, yeah, because, I mean, when you start talking about it and I and one of the revolution things that I did, that got pulled, by the way, um, which now I've got permission to repost it. And I've been debating on it because it's so minute in history. Um, Abraham Lincoln told us exactly what that war was about, and it had nothing to do with slavery at the time that it started. It was not. They made it that. And it was that to the point. But nobody realizes that England wouldn't buy cotton from the South if it was made with slave labor. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you start getting into the real history of stuff, and as, like I said, history is written by the winners to manipulate the losers. Yeah. And then you also see, too, during that was uh, they were wanting to go to greenbacks and take away the ability for the South to have gold. And they were wanting the Confederate gold. And, you know, right. my uh, it'd be, it's pretty interesting because my family is involved in uh, doing Civil War reenactments. So they've been in the movie, the North and the South and the show, the blue and the gray. And, you know, they've done tons and tons of civil war reenactments. So I got the pleasure of sitting in on a lot of that stuff and hearing a lot of the history. So it's pretty, yeah, and it, it is. And it's truly interesting when you get to the truth of it and not the propaganda of it. Right. Slavery yeah. towards the middle of that whole issue. It wasn't even the start of it. Right. 
Yeah, it is not even an easy. I mean, it's not an issue for me anymore. I mean, in my opinion, there was no need for that. I see the need that did it, but it was uh, kind of a pissing contest, to be honest with you, in my opinion. Um, uh, the, a lot of it I didn't agree with. A lot of it I did agree with. But it is still boils down to one thing. As every war's fought, it's fought over money, gold, silver, whatever. Um, we're seeing it now in the Ukraine. We're watching it now. Um, so it, it don't think, I mean, these billions of dollars aren't going, I don't think, all going over there. Um, we talk about the 9-11 conspiracy that popped up. And, and the, the funny thing is everybody remembers <coughs> the action. Nobody remembers the $2 trillion that was announced that was missing the day before by Rumsfeld. Right. And that's a lot of things that people don't talk about is, oh, yeah, well, the Pentagon lost like three trillion dollars. Well, where the fuck to go? Well, maybe you should look at uh, Building 7 that went down mysteriously. So, yeah. And then explain to everybody why there was military on Building 7, but not around the actual collapse of the two trade centers. Right. It's just amazing how we are just on just this big, huge stage and show and they just continue to do this stuff. And a lot of people are just buying a lot of other people are just like, well, that's conspiracy, you know? Well, you know, if he's a conspiracy, prove me that it's a conspiracy, do your own research and show me where you're wrong. Right. We don't, we don't have enough of that anymore. Um, I've been fortunate on my actual TikTok page to have a couple of liberals that follow me. Um, one was real big on TikTok, and I hadn't seen his page. It doesn't mean he's not there. It's just I can't find him out of my algorithm. And that was a virtuous white liberal. And he was right on point a lot. Not that I agreed with every point, but he was kind of telling it like it was. Kind of like we do on our side. Right. And I don't really consider myself a Republican. Any, I've, I've actually just, I don't party affiliate anymore because it's, it's, it's a, we all keep hollering the two wings, same bird. Um, so I want to be part of the body of the bird. I don't want to care nothing about the wings of the bird. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot, you know, there's a little bit of meat there, but the, the biggest part of the body is in the center. And I'd rather be there than classified into a different party or category. Now, saying that, I mean, as far as the left has gone left, I understand that you have to vote right to pull that back to the center and that's the tug of war game and we've sat here as independents and i've i've looked at the independent movement over the years and they really are 50 percent or more of the voting block because the 25 percent that follow the republicans and the 25 percent that follow the democrats they're going to always vote red and they're going to always vote blue the ones in the middle are going to vote with what actually makes the most sense. And and it's not necessarily going to always be, because when you talk about local elections, and I know you know this because we, we both grew up in the Deep South, and you know this, local elections, we vote for the person. Right. Whether we know them or not. And, and the state elections, we vote for the party. And in the national elections, we really vote for the party. So yeah. knowing that, I mean, there's not anything, but the Blue Dog Democrats are gone. They're a thing of the past. There's no commonality much. Like I said, the virtuous white liberal on TikTok was one of the greatest ones I've seen, and he would actually listen to the people that were uh, arguing with him 
and not realizing, oh, well, he's saying the same thing I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing with me is when it comes to election time, it's always for me has always been about having that a local election because you always want to have a great mayor. You always want to have a great sheriff. You always want to make sure you have a great judge. You want these people that are actually going to do the work for the people and do what the people actually want and not be these sellouts that are bought out by corporations. So that's why I'm big and huge into the local elections, state elections. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll vote right for the simple fact that I like Rand Paul. I kind of like what he does for, for some of the things that, he's been doing in Washington, even though I think he could do more. Um, I'm not a Mitch McConnell fan. I hate that guy. That dude needs to be gone. We need to get rid of him. And like the national level with the presidency, I mean, I'm going to vote right because that's the way I've always done it is vote right. But I will listen to the other side, depending on who's running. But the majority of the time, the ones on the left that are pushing all this agenda stuff that that I can't stand, I won't I won't listen to them. Right. But I mean, as far as being <coughs> solid, red blooded Republican, I'm I'm not. I'm I'm I always considered myself to be a constitutionalist to a point because you can't really have a constitution if you're fucking people who are representing you aren't even following the the constitution period in the right. majority of them are not even doing their sworn oath. You know, they're all bought out. They're all pocketed politicians, but there are a few that are starting to come out like younger versions that uh, kind of like Marjorie Taylor green, Matt Gates. Those are kind of people that are kind of trying to push out the old blood and put in the new blood, but we still don't know the depths of where they stand we're kind of finding that out on our own right now. Well, right, right. And that's why, and you go, you talk about the local elections. Um, to me, the local elections, not just because it affects you, the local elections will affect the future elections. So, because your politicians always start at home, the people right. that are going to run and try to represent the people always start at home. And if you vote the most sincere people in the beginning, they'll kind of stay that way because they're the ones that realize you know, I only got here because they wanted me here. Now I've got to do for them. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Mississippi, and everybody's heard of Sonny Montgomery. Sonny Montgomery, the VA centers are all named after him. And he was the big pusher of the uh, Veterans Forces Act and all that stuff where they get the education. And I mean, Sonny Montgomery was the, he did all of that. Um, he was a Democrat. Um, he would come to our church. He was a local guy that made good and he made good on his promises. He was a Democrat and the Mississippi at the time was a Southern crat state. And I, and I say that loosely because we all know the history of the South. We all know definitely the history of Mississippi. Um, it's a scar that's there. It's never going to go away. It's stuff that really happened and stuff that I'm not even proud of. I lived in the county where Mississippi burning took place. I knew all the people involved. And it's not that it was the greatest thing in the world, and it's not a clout thing at all. It's that that's how it was. But then you have a guy like Sonny Montgomery that came along and changed the face of the Veterans Affairs. He is the Veterans Affairs idea. 
Yeah, and see my family on my mom's side all grew up in uh, Jackson, Hattiesburg. So yeah, I, I've been down there several times. We had a family uh, plantation home that was part of our family and my mom's side of the family. Still have it, you know, um, in my mom's side of the family. So things not to be proud of, but yeah, I understand where you come from with uh, Mississippi. But I mean, you know, here's a guy that local boy that I want to say local affects national. That's what I mean. Local boy made good. He did the veterans affairs. Now their 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 healthcare system sucks because it's it's the federal government. And Ronald Reagan was right. Yeah, the most dangerous words in American society is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You're here to help nothing because you don't want to help. You only help if it goes back to your back pocket. Right. We all understand that. Um, and, and that's just the way it is. Uh, I, I think it's, it's amusing at times when people start quoting Reagan and then they misquote him or they misunderstand it. Or even like you said, when they start reading the constitution, well, they only pick out a sentence or two to fit their argument, but they don't ever read past the comma. Right. In the sentence is a whole sentence. You don't stop at a comma. We we used to be told in school that was a comma splice, and you would get an F on your paper if you did that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so when you start reading everything, and that's like everybody says the Pledge of Allegiance wrong. We all do because Southerners, especially, because you know we have to put emphasis on things. Right. So we get to that one nation under God is one statement, but we just one nation under God. And it's like, okay, everybody's like, well, we need to take that part out. Well, you can't take that part out. It's a whole sentence. Right. And, and nobody ever understood. Yeah. Just people just want to take for what it is and take their portion out of it. It's kind of like Joe Biden. You know, I don't think he's ever read the constitution, but saying it's not absolute. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Even though the Supreme Court's ruled on more than one time, that's the absolute law of the land. It's the sovereign law of the land. And that's why these local jurisdictions don't like constitutionalists getting tickets because they can actually destroy unconstitutionality in the civil code. Yeah. And they don't like it. They hate me when they give me a ticket. As soon as I get there, I get five words out of my mouth, and the judge's like, I'm not even doing this argument today, and he just dismisses it. (laughs) I mean, I've started to... Not too long ago, I walked in the court, and the DA was young, the judge was young, and I said, so we're here today to talk about how I broke the law, huh? And they both said yes. After they swore me under oath, I said, y'all got to be, y'all should know by the way I started this. And soon as I brought it up, and then I introduced all my evidence, he said, "Uh uh-uh, you're out of here. I'm not having my name nowhere on this. Boom, dismissed it. And it was just a traffic ticket. I was not speeding that bad anyway. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't even have been a $150 ticket, but it's the fact. It's just the, I like to argue (laughs) and I just love to do it there. But now if I lose, it's still the same amount, 150 bucks. And that's why they wouldn't let me be on the debate team in high school because they knew I would just, I would never quit. I would always fight and argue and debate the shit out of something and it would drive them crazy. So they, they didn't want me to be on the debate team. Right, right. And I don't know why there's not more people from the South, especially in D.C. like that, but they quell us all down. 
and tell us we can't do it. But they're starting to find out like that boy. And I, I lived in Kansas City when that 18 year old got elected to the Justice of the Peace lot. And everybody was like, how does an 18 year old get there? I said, because this little dude walked around with a notepad and everywhere he stopped. And when he got to the debate and that local debate and he said, well, hold on there, sir. Let me read to you the complaint. And he flipped open to the page to where the people's names were and what their complaints were. <laughs> and then he would ask them the question that they had posed to him. He never had a political point. His point was, you're not doing your job. He's 18 years old and got elected to be justice of the peace. So if, if an 18 year old can do it by manipulating the politicians, the way and they, it was a beautiful setup. It was on the local access thing, and I think it was the most watched TV show in the area that night. Well, I because it was awesome. I, I loved him. I thought he was great. I can tell you another one that's in that category and is coming up soon. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't know if he's seen where he is now. Asked us to look into all the stuff that was surrounding his case. Right. So. Uh, there's going to be a lot of major lawsuits. They, I mean, I know a lot of people haven't talked about about it here lately, but I know he's got a legal team that have been going through slowly. Biden and all these people, he's got them all under wraps. Uh, and when he finally decides to go ahead and file that lawsuit, it'll be very interesting to see how this is all going to play out. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And I've actually follow him on Twitter. That's why I'm actually over there minor characters that's going to play a major role are on Twitter right now. Yeah. All the conservative boys. And that he's pretty smart for his age. Um, but he got a good in-depth look at we're really not free. No. Much like I got last night to realize who's free here. Because she looked like the little lady in Russia looked like they were more free than we were, but that's not what our propaganda machines are telling us. And that's what really made me mad. And and then she basically said, yeah, well, y'all's government is just, they're insane. Well, I don't know. Did you see, uh, it's been about a year ago that a commercial aired over in Germany uh, to feed America. And this commercial is all in, are all in German and they're talking about how they need to send money and help feed America because we have food insecurity here and the people are starving. I was like, no, what is this? Is this something that we don't know just yet? Or is this more lies and propaganda that they're feeding all these foreign countries? I, I heard about it. I never saw it firsthand, but yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it was. Uh, that sounds exactly like propaganda to me. I mean, it's like the, when they had the famine in Ethiopia, um, and they did that for years where well, the famine was coming gone and we were still sending money to feed them. And all the rice was sitting on docks molding. Yeah. So it's propaganda. <laughs> it is definitely propaganda. It's about like all the uh, food and everything we sent down there to uh, Venezuela. It was sitting in a soccer stadium. They never right. sent it uh, for aid to the people. They sat in the soccer stadiums until the, uh, people try to overrun the soccer stadium and the military end up taking care of them. Right. So you're right. It's just a shit show and we're just living one big part of it. Yeah. 
well, we did run out of toilet paper one time. I think we tried to clean it up and it just didn't work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had to. Couldn't help it. All right. So uh, let everybody know where they can find you at, and uh, we'll call it a wrap. All right, but um, like I've got uh, two podcasts. One's called the Gray State Revolution. Um, my moniker on TikTok is Gray State Mafia. Um, the same insignia is found on the podcast, uh, Gray State Revolution. That's a political focused podcast. Um, and then I'm on the Nursing Underground. Um, there's a neon green plus with orange circle and the squares coming off of it where I talk the medical side of politics. Um, I'm found on all the platforms. Uh, my major ones, Amazon, uh, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, um, and just about every all the other platforms, Podchaser, um, all the minor ones, all the iHeart company. Um, I'm just everywhere. So if you just search it under a gray state, you'll find it. All right. Well, that's the uh, Big Dave, and we appreciate you being on the show, and hopefully I can have you on again soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one. You too, man. Later. Well, that concludes our show. I want to say thank you to everyone that's listening and a big shout out and thank you to Big Day from Gray State Revolution Podcast for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you, brother. And next Thursday, here we go, people. Mr. Freedom Stick's going to be on the show. So that will be next Thursday. This can be found on Spotify and Anchor.fm. So Patriots, stay frosty.